We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a new episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, as we bring you a new episode on February 23rd, 2023, in this fine Thursday morning as spring training continues to roll on. For the Chicago White Sox, we're seeing plenty of video of players working out and doing the batting cages and hearing who is in the best shape of their life. And we're even seeing some players try out new positions and we were all ready to go to start our deep dives, doing our spring training previews for the upcoming year for the Chicago White Sox. And then Tim Anderson spoke. Specifically, Tim Anderson spoke with Chuck Garfine of NBC Sports Chicago. And when Chuck Garfine asked what happened in the 2022 season, here is the response from Tim Anderson. The plan is, you know, we know not to, you know, do what we did last year. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of room to grow. And, um, you know, just a lot of confusion. A lot of people pulling from from different angles, you know, uh, not just in the clubhouse, you know, fans as well. Um, a little bit of everybody. So, uh, you know, the ultimate goal is to, you know, try to try to dumb that down and get it back on, you know, pulling from the same screen with everybody, including you. Including me. What do you mean including me? Including you. What are you trying to say? I ain't got to say it. You know what? I, I, well, <laughs> that, that I was questioning why you guys couldn't win? Yeah. If you're, if you're a part of this and you're like, and you're like one of our supporters and you see somebody struggling, that's like, you know, that's kind of like, uh, you know, if you see your wife struggling, you're going to pat her on the back, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of one of those things. We're on the same umbrella, I think. We should all be pulling from the same screen and not tearing each other down um, and not tearing players down. Or, you know, we don't tear you down. So yeah. I think it's just one of those things. We've got to support each other. We support you. We make ourselves access to you, yeah. you know, when you want to talk to us. So it's just kind of one of those things that we all got to be, you know, be on a positive screen and pull from the same screen. And uh, I think we can be better as a whole. Yeah. Was I tearing you down? No, you weren't tearing me down. You just make you was causing a lot of confusion. You know what I mean? Just, I was causing. I was. <laughs> listen to after a, a lot. I mean, but you got to think about it. The fans listen to you. Yeah. Right. You're right. talking. We don't talk. We just play. Well, you, no, you talk. You can talk. We don't. We don't talk though. We're in the game zone. We don't talk. They're listening to you. Right. So uh, if we're putting out positive energy, then positive energy is going to always yeah. follow us. You know what I'm saying? 
I tried. Yeah. I tried to be as positive as I could. Okay. It's a rough season. It's okay. We understand. Um, you know, but but ultimate goal, man, is to you know just continue to go out and, and play hard, and uh, you know really see what happens. Now, there's a lot that was said in that minute forty seconds between Anderson and Garfine, and there's a little bit of pushback from the two. And I highly recommend going and listening to the White Sox Talk podcast because along with Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffrey, I thought they did an excellent job previewing the interview in their podcast and talking about it afterwards in the conversation Anderson or Garfine. And there's more to that conversation and there's more from Tim Anderson and how he feels going into this season for the White Sox and how much he wants to stop talking about 2022 and doesn't want to dwell on the fact that Jose Abreu is no longer around. So joining me to continue this conversation because, man, this has blown up on social media. It has been trending on Twitter. (laughs) And it just seems one of those things, Jim, if the White Sox are trending on social media, nine out of ten times, it's something bad. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Main character syndrome, I think they call it. It's like, uh, yeah, I was surprised. I was enjoying a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, that's my day where uh, somebody else is watching my son, and I can get go out and run errands and do other stuff independent of having a 14-month-old with me. And so I was at a brewery, like just uh, answering some emails and kind of getting around to some stuff that I just you know, hadn't gotten around to. And all of a sudden this popped up and I did not have my headphones on me at the time. And I was not going to listen to it in a public place, but just watching the uh, you know, reactions swell and the counter reactions, everything like that. Like I really was, you know, couldn't wait to get home to hear exactly what I was missing. And when I turned it on, when I, when I listened to the whole thing, I was slightly underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I was like a little bit like, oh, this isn't as juicy as I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought I was going to have to like rush to the computer and fire up a blog post. And like, no, this is actually like worth thinking about and discussing, mulling over, you know, because I think it does lend itself to strong reactions, bordering on overreactions. And, uh, but on the other hand, like, you know, Lawrence Holmes, like he had some thoughts and uh, like he said, like the kind of, this kind of triggered some, Stronger reactions independent of Anderson that had just been rolling around his mind in terms of just how the White Sox conduct communications in general. And how they, they uh, you know, basically set themselves up to be like, you know, they isolate themselves and then get mad when nobody's on their side. And, and you know, that was interesting to me. Like that, when, when I listened to him, I listened to his bit, like that explained, I think, some of the stronger sentiments that I'd seen on Twitter uh, before actually hearing the interview. I heard Lawrence and Layla Rahimi on 670 The Score before I listened to this interview. So just like you, Jim, I too was a bit underwhelmed and publicly on Twitter, evidently I've taken on to the side of, I don't know what everyone is reacting to. And I do question, and maybe you could help fill in the gaps. I don't know what I'm missing here. Typically, I am one to be blamed for being overreactive when the White Sox (laughs) say anything to this liking. And I think I could prove one example of somebody else said these words instead of Tim Anderson on how I would react and how I would be how my opinion about this situation would differ. But here we are. We're talking about a professional athlete, Tim Anderson, and he is trying to, at his very best, advocate that everyone involved 
with the Chicago White Sox, the players, the coaches, the media, the fans, that in 2023, the team needs more positivity. We're all pulling on the same string. And and then he, you know, pointed out Chuck Garfine. And there's more, again, between Anderson and Garfine, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about here. But coming from Tim Anderson, using this method of the messenger, the professional athlete, asking for this positivity. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm not surprised because you and I have interviewed athletes over the many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. And athletes tend to put themselves either in a bubble or in a closet. They're not unaware of what is being said in the public, but for them to be focused on their goals, to be focused on their craft, more times than not, they need to shut out the outside noise. And Tim Anderson, for the most part, I would say, I think does a pretty good job of not reacting to all the noise that's said about him. And boy, it can get really noisy when it comes to Tim Anderson, blank, anything regarding White Sox fans. And there are definitely two sides of the coin when it comes to Tim Anderson. But for him advocating for more positivity, I guess I'm expecting that because to me, That's just athlete speak. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of athletes ask for is please don't be too negative. Please be positive because we need positive energy to feed off of. Yeah. I I think I'm coming at my uh, lack of reaction or a muted reaction from a different angle. Like I'm used to, I guess when processing Anderson's public persona and his tweets and such of like, not really understanding it like in terms of like his tweets. They kind of strike me as like, you know, you know, he often delves into like the AOL instant messenger away message, vague, uh, you know, kind of passive aggressive tweet to somebody who I don't know who. And it's just kind of like, there's a case where, Oh, I'm not, ex- ex- I'm not expected to understand what this means. Like that's, you know, most of his tweets kind of fall in that line. Like this is for somebody who isn't me. They're always, you know, haters to silence and, people who are doubting and such. And, and, you know, especially with the way he has both elevated himself and been elevated as somebody who plays baseball a different way and wants to play baseball a different way. wants to be seen as a different kind of baseball player. Like, yeah, there's a lot of noise he has to shut out. So I'm, I'm sure like, you know, when he has these tweets that they are directed to something, I just don't know who they are and I don't really have the bandwidth to find out or care. Like, you know, it's, it doesn't seem like it's, you know, a case where it's like my business. So I just, I shrug and, uh, you know, go on my way. So I think like I'm coming at like when it comes to Anderson saying stuff publicly, I tend to say like, well, he's, you know, it's about somebody who isn't me. <laughs> so that's kind of how I process it. But I think to me, I thought like some of the reaction was like White Sox fans, White Sox organization, everybody kind of needs a little bit of like therapy when it comes to just the Toy Russa years. I think there's a lot uh, you know, that happened, a lot that's not being talked about, a lot that's being trying like swept under the rug. Like, yeah, I, the White Sox did it with Rob Ventura. They did it with Tony La Russa, like ended by the Ozzygian era, like crazy stuff happens at the end of it. And they just go like, well, that was weird. Anyway, the next year, let's talk about that. Like they don't actually properly address it. Like there is no overhaul to, change the leadership structure that leads to these things going wrong. And so it just keeps happening over and over again and nothing's really addressed. And so you don't have like, well, I also think like Sox Fest was all sometimes that form of therapy where fans could get things off their chests and, you know, say like, Hey, I don't like the way you're doing this, or I don't like the, you know, the way 
uh, the, the team played under you or I got bored by the lack of energy and such. And like, you know, the, Kenny Williams would have to nod and take it or Rob Ventura would have to say like, you know, why, you know, the fans are wrong or, and, and, and offer to disagree. But there's at least like fans had a way of presenting their dissatisfaction to the organization in a direct way. But I think with like Soxfest um, being removed and, and part of Anderson's uh, reaction and also like, I think what uh, Lawrence and Layla said on, on the show uh, talking about like how, you know, there is kind of an us against them thing brewing and uh, you know, other players have kind of talked about the same thing with, you know, the, you know, the, the quote unquote narrative, <laughs> like uh, what the, the narrative is the record, the record of, you know, 500 when you're supposed to win the division last year. I mean, like that's not narrative. That's just underachieving. Like that's not a story. That's what happened, but you know, you can kind of see this happening. And so I wonder if like Sox Fest is like the players don't want to be dealing with this either. The players just want to move on because they were saddled with Tony LaRusso who they didn't want, nobody wanted and just everybody wants to move on. But it strikes me as like, you know, because that didn't happen, because there wasn't any of that kind of exhaust port to get all of this stuff out there and out of systems that now it's you know, leaked into uh, spring training. And now this is just uh, it's going to come up here and there as players are presented questions that they didn't hear in January. And uh, this might kind of go on for a while. I'm thinking not just Anderson, but, you know, perhaps with other players as well as they're asked questions that. They thought they were done with in October, but never got like the proper accounting for or the typical accounting for in January. I mean, they didn't even speak in October, really. I mean, yeah. the exit interview was, let's, let's put it nicely, short and sweet from Chicago White Sox players. We barely heard from them. And mm -hmm. when we did hear from them after the season, it was all about how they're feeling for Tony. And they're hoping that Tony feels better. And Jose and, Abreu, too. Like and his, Jose Abreu, yeah. right. And yeah, I... Yeah. Sorry for the sigh, folks, but there's a there's a lot to <laughs> dissect from this. And there's just a part of me that's like rolling my eyes that we're talking about this in late February, but it does expose a wound. And I, I didn't even think about it from that angle, Jim. Not having Sox Fest prevented both the Chicago White Sox personnel, front office, the new manager, the players... And the fans and media like lots of media go to Sox Fest. A very corporate term have a root cause analysis of what happened in 2022. And because you didn't have that. Now this is carrying over to spring training and it's taking on a totally different tone. I could definitely buy that. I think that is a really smart way of looking at a gym. Because Thank you. Let's, let's let's play the hypothetical here. <laughs> yeah. What if Tim Anderson said this to Chuck Garfine, but he's on a stage at McCormick Place at Sox Fest? Would White Sox fans and media take that differently? Well, he might not have said fans. <laughs> like, mm, yeah, maybe I, I could yeah, see maybe him. Would have, but I I could see him calling out fans in attendance. Yeah. You know, a gesture, laughing, yeah. smiling, trying to be as positive as possible. But you know. Us fans, you know, yeah. we, everyone, everyone has to be yeah. more positive. But I can see that being a case where you can read his body language. He can read fans' body language or just like the murmur in the room. Right. And adjust to, you know, have a human interaction in a, in a disagreement or like a uh, point counterpoint come to some kind of agreement or, uh, you know, settling in the middle. Yeah, I just, man, that, that's so smart. I wish I thought of that. It's, 
you know, for SoxFest, usually it's like to, okay, so without having SoxFest, the lingering effects of not having SoxFest. SoxFest is also a great way to hype fans up for the upcoming season. And we said this at 108 Day. It felt like 108 Day was like <laughs> our responsibility to try to hype up White Sox fans. The, the we over, didn't do a very good job of uh, it. We did not do a very good job of that uh, <laughs> for the upcoming season. And, man, I could you imagine when, oh, wait, Dave, we knew about the Mike Clevenger news? Like, I know I said in the last podcast we won't spend a lot of time on it, but it's just something that I thought of is that that, that 108 day would have gone a lot different. That first panel that mm. you and I co-host would have gone a lot different if we yeah. knew of that news, but it's just like, so back to what Lawrence was speaking about with the white Sox, and Lawrence is right here. And we touch on this a, for a lot of times over the 10 years we've been podcasting, the white Sox seem to dig holes for themselves very efficiently. They don't need help to stub their toe. They mm-hmm. will find a way. And it, what well, you know, the last podcast we just released was on Monday and I felt like the vibes were pretty positive from a White Sox side. I got off my chest about Clevenger, but they signed Elvis Andrews. Mm-hmm. And you had the news about Anderson Comas and the inspirational Liam Hendricks showing up at spring training. That there were positive things happening at spring training camp. And I get where Lawrence is coming from. It's like, just wait 48 hours because something else is going to happen with the White Sox. And it's going to make everyone mad. It's going to piss off a, a lot of fans. And, you know, circling back to, to SoxFest, not having that moment, grouping up thousands of White Sox fans and just having that face the music opportunity. Sit in the dunk tank. Is suddenly playing a larger role in how fans are feeling to the upcoming season because there's just this unaddressed anger that is currently out there. And I get it. And I have it at times about the white Sox that simply ignoring it from a white Sox perspective is a terrible idea, Jim. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, dodging the customer. And that's kind of how I put it. It's just like sitting in the dunk tank, just for charity, for, you know, like having uh, you know, sit and lever, have fans throw baseball to target. You get wet, you get embarrassed. You climb back on the platform, you get wet again. Uh, you, 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 you razz them if they miss and then they hit you again. You fall in the dunk tank and just kind of go over and over again. It's an unpleasant way to spend a few hours, but it's ultimately does some good, you know, whether it's a case of, um, you know, raising money, uh, for, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, White Sox charities or what, or just getting your, you know, business out there, you know, and, and you know, I, I guess part of Sox Fest would have changed too with the Clevenger stuff. And that also, you know, if they knew that the Clevenger investigation all along, and we're just waiting for that bomb to go off, that could be a case that could be one of the many factors, uh, the White Sox talked about and, and not having a Sox Fest is just, you know, who knows it, it's a case where, yeah, it's, it just, you know, dodging their fans and then saying it's, uh, you know, us against them and saying like the, you know, the fans, you know, need to be more positive and fans try to be more positive. And like Chuck Garfine being the guy who has to hear about it is, you know, I think that's the other thing that makes, you know, uh, you know, inspired some of the reaction is that like, you know, nobody is easier on the White Sox than Chuck. And cause he has to be, and cause he has to, you know, give them the longest benefit of the doubt. And like, it's not like he's doing his job. Well, he has a job to do that has, you know, 
lends him towards trying to find the positives. And then like, but you know, when you're on a panel night after night with Ozzie Guillen and Frank Thomas and other people who are not, you know, or either have the credibility of a former player or just, you know, don't have to go into the clubhouse and face players directly just saying what they say. And Garfine can't really push back because, you know, he would be lying or uh, saying something he didn't believe if he disagreed. Like, you know, it's a case where like, yeah, it's had to say some things that he might not have wanted to say in order to put on a, a quality show, you know, quality product that fans wanted to hear and uh, fans would tune into, you know, even if they just watched, you know, Liam Hendricks blow save or the White Sox not driving a run from third base to tie a game in a ninth inning and they're just doing there with their thoughts. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a case where like having Garfine be the, the brunt of it versus like say Paul Sullivan or somebody who's used to mixing it up uh, with players or like Joe Cowley, who's you know used to like getting on, on players wrong sides for good stories or good quotes, you know, like, you know, Garfine being the subject, I think is maybe adds a little bit of extra, like, softness to it that I think maybe fans and media were uh, fascinated by and complaining about. Yeah. Being the pre and post game show host is not an easy gig. It's not an easy gig. You got to hype up a game that may not be that interesting. As Jim pointed to if the game ends terribly. You got to talk about that as well. And they had that conversation, Anderson and Garfine in, in the podcast later on, they have that conversation, and mm-hmm. I think Garfine said it best. If you want me to be more positive, I need more positive outcomes. And Anderson agrees to that. The white, the 2023 White Sox need to provide more positive yeah. outcomes in order for people to be more positive about them. And I know that as the athlete, he is pleading that. But from that angle, and you know, yeah. we're talking about Sox Fest and just not having that opportunity for people to vent. Asking anything from the fan base right now is like walking on hot coals. If you are the Chicago White Sox, it doesn't matter what aspect of the business you work in with the Chicago White Sox, whether that is baseball operations, public relations, communications, marketing, or even ticket sales. Everyone is walking on hot coals with that organization because you just don't know Mm -hmm. what you're going to say to let's call it what it is, piss off the entire fan base. And it seems like with Anderson asking for positivity from fans, a lot of White Sox fans are like, uh, how about you be good? And if you're good, then we'll be positive. But if you're not good, then absolutely not. We will give mm-hmm. you positive vibes. We may boo you guys in the home opener. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're seeing tension between like, two groups that did not ask for Tony La Russa, the players and the fans. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're on opposite sides of the, uh, you know, business arrangement. The players get paid, the fans pay the money or they pay with their time of, you know, uh, and emotions of, uh, having interest, devoting a couple hours each night or many nights of the week to watching, uh, the socks. And then, you know, getting angry about it or upset or disappointed about it. So yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's why I think it's just, you know, something that healthier organizations would have addressed somehow, whether it's um, firing Larissa mid season saying like, you know, explicitly saying this was unacceptable, which we advocated for. Yes. You know, rather than having Larissa out on a health excuse and not like, you know, still having the open question of would he still, still be around if that health issue did not pop up? 
um, you know, would the White Sox have had the agency, uh, the, the front office, had the agency to replace him? Or would this be on year three and be even worse? Like, we don't know that. There's there's no way to know that. Whereas, like, even a midseason firing saying, like, this is this is terrible. We see what you're saying. Uh, we can't fire the whole team, but we need a change of voice. Like, you know, just would have said something about the front offices and the organization's values. Uh, but because he just got this quiet exit in kind of like a, a parachute of sorts, health excuse and just everybody having to, you know, shift from, you know, being frustrated to like showing some level of concern or compassion for La Russa, uh, you know, or, or say like, well, you know, I can't be angry now because he's ailing. Like, you know, that's, you know, it's a case where, yeah, you, you shouldn't be, you know, rooting for adverse health outcomes or anything like that. But there's also just the unexamined dissatisfaction still of just, you know, why was this allowed to happen for so long? And why is every, why are all the same people still in charge and how will this not happen again? Because it happened with Robin Ventura and it happened late stage, you know, the late stages of uh, the Ozzygian uh, era. And then just, the, this is the third time it happened. And so like, it just, yeah, it's, you, you keep going, going into the same outcomes uh, and Tim Anderson might have not been around for Ozzy Gian and Gavin Sheets and Lance Lynn may not have been around for Robin Ventura, but fans have been around the whole time. And I think that's, and when they have to answer these questions and when Rick Hahn answers questions like twice a month or every month or, you know, during the winter, like maybe goes a couple months without speaking. It just, these things build up. We're going to talk more about this, but for our non-Patreon supporters, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, but more about this discussion and also talking about the White Sox plan of either being us against the world or nobody believes us next on the Sox Machine podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast as we continue this conversation. And I think so far from the conversation we've had, even though it's a very short clip and it is a quote from Tim Anderson, 
I think we both agree after talking this through, what it does is that it just really opens up a wound right now between Mm -hmm. White Sox fans and the organization. And I don't think that was the intention of Tim Anderson to do that. He's trying to be Mr. Positivity in 2023, (laughs) but the he's poking the bear and he just poked the bear the wrong place. And it has made a lot of people unhappy. So I teased this earlier in the show, but I will say this. I know Tim Anderson's asking for positivity from fans, but boy, Mm -hmm. Jim, if Rick Hahn said these words, my reaction would be a complete 180. I get a professional athlete asking for fans after a disappointing year to be positive Please turn the page with us. I know last year sucked, but we are trying to be positive going into spring training or into training camp or to practice before the season. No matter what the sport is, we're going to try to turn the page and we're going to try to get better results in 2023. The only way we can do that is have a clean slate. Please have a clean slate with us. That rarely happens in sports where fans give the team a clean slate until they have a good start. If they have a good start, what about last year? Last year was last year. We're talking about this year. We've got good mm-hmm. vibes going. So fans want to be happy, right? Like it may, it may be hard to believe from all our discussions because the White Sox tend to, you know, as we've talked about, just let sm- bad smells linger. But fans want to be happy. If Rick Hahn came out and said that we all have to pull on the same string together. And everybody needs to be more positive. The front office needs to be more positive. The players of the clubhouse need to be more positive. The media needs to be more positive. We need the fans to be more positive. This tone for me would be a complete 180, Jim. A complete mm-hmm. 180, especially with what Rick Hahn has said over the years, especially during the rebuilding years and his quotes from 2017 to 2019. They're going to be replayed full blast if this 2023 White Sox team does not make it to the postseason and if they even dare to tear down the roster and start a third rebuild under his tenure, those quotes are going to be coming out in full force. So that's why I tweeted that out that I think for me personally, it's the messenger. I understand mm-hmm. where Tim Anderson's coming from asking for positivity. When Rick Hahn, and I've been making fun of him since he said this, we're going to, we have to earn the trust back from the fan base. That dude has, you know, you, you talked about everything's building up to this powder cake situation between White Sox fans and the organization. There is no one that's adding more stress to that powder keg when they speak than Rick Hahn. Uh, so the less that he speaks, probably for the better, but we're never really going to get this resolved and not have the clean slate and start developing a healthier relationship between fans and the organization until either the front office admits their faults or you get a new front office. It's really that simple, but for the mentality and you were hinting on this before the break of nobody believes in us or us against the world. I think these are two different mindsets a franchise can have. Nobody believes in us. You're not really attacking media. You're more listening. You're clipping headlines. You're keeping a scrapbook. And when you do well, you remind people what they said about you before the season. Like the Kansas City Chiefs just had this moment, even though I think it was a bit (laughs) silly, right? You know, Travis Kelsey's like, nobody believed in us. 
Uh, everyone said we were rebuilding. Who in the world thought the Kansas City Chiefs were rebuilding last year? Nobody. Yeah. Or Kirby Smart with Georgia. Nobody believed we could go back to back. Who? Everybody thought you'd be in the playoffs, Georgia. Like, don't yeah. make up a narrative. But sometimes it does happen where a team surprises. The Cleveland Guardians are a great example. Mm-hmm. Nobody believed in us. And here we are. We easily win the American League Central. And we take the New York Yankees to the distance in the in the, in the postseason. And at one point, it looked like we were going to be up be about to pull off that upset. Like the guardians were the team that nobody believed in us. The Phillies, the Phillies of the national league were the team that nobody believed in us. And all of a sudden they're in the world series. So mm-hmm. it does happen, but that's the team that doesn't do a lot of preseason talk. The white Sox here, I feel like are teetering to the path of us against the world. And Jim, I can't recall a situation in sports where that has ever worked where a team and organization is just combative with everyone. They're combative internally. They're combative against teams that, that they play on the field. They're combative against the media and they're combative against fans. Like I, I just, I, I can't think of an example the where that Astros? mindset has ever worked. The Astros, would you consider them? Were they, com- the world? were they combative against their fans? Were they combative oh, against, against, their, against, fans. Their, gotcha. against the yeah. media? Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was, I would say it was the Astros and their fans against the world. Yes. So, yeah, not, yeah. not, not quite they the same. They have t-shirts okay. about that. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah against their fans. Um, yeah, nothing's coming to mind just because, yeah, like I said, fans want to like the team. So if the fans don't like the team, something had to go terribly wrong. Like, that's kind of how I think of it. Like, I can think of like, you know, a case where like teams were a year early and then fans were late to get on board, but eventually the fans got on board. But even then that wasn't like a case where like, I'm, I'm thinking of like the Orioles last year where, you know, they were drawing nothing and then fans got on board and like, there was no fan shaming. Like everybody knew that or, or thought the Orioles are going to be terrible and that they turned out to be watchable. Like, Oh, we're happier on board now. That was the, that, that seemed to be the the prevailing sentiment from the, from a team like the Orioles. So yeah, when it gets to us against the world, including the world being, your own team's fans and your own team's media. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I can't just think of many fan teams that like win against their fans, like in a, in a way like, you know, would, would, would pick on yeah fans being unhappy like that without just being a bad team. A recent example, the New York jets with Robert Saleh, mm-hmm. the head coach, former defensive coordinator, of the 49ers. That's why I know him. He was very combative against the media and combative of the fans that didn't believe in the New York jets. And it seemed like he was going to have the last laugh when they were seven and four and they finished seven to 10 and <laughs> the, yeah. the jets are the jets, right? Everybody makes fun mm-hmm. of the jets, but I think that's the most recent example of us Ooh, against the white world. Sox and jets. Well, <laughs> that's not good company. There might be people listening to this podcast that are fans of both teams, the New York jets, the Chicago white Sox and, Man, that is a special level of sports hell uh, <laughs> that you live in, and I, I do apologize mm-hmm. for those fans that are, that are like that. <laughs> but what you call hell, Rambo calls home. <laughs> <laughs> but like the us against the world, like this is my fear for the White Sox. So Tim Anderson replied to the tweet of NBC Sports Chicago, and I, I'm paraphrasing here because of language. 
But he just tweeted out along the lines of, I should just learn to shut up. Now, some White Sox fans would be like, yes, I don't want to hear from Tim Anderson. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's good. I don't think that's good for the White Sox because Tim Anderson is one of the faces of Major League Baseball. I want him to feel comfortable being open and speaking about the game because I do learn from him. And he has had quite the career. And yes, he had a setback last year. And he's trying to overcome that. And I think that he will. And I am really confident that Tim Anderson's going to have a very successful 2023 season. And I want him to talk because when he is talking on and off the field and he is bringing that swagger into the clubhouse, we know that it is a different type of energy that the Chicago White Sox play with. And he seems to be the catalyst for it. And Pedro Grafal is talking about energy. And I think if he's looking for energy, Tim Anderson's the one that brings it. Steve Stone says it all the time. As Tim Anderson goes, so do the Chicago White Sox. So I don't want Tim Anderson to go inside a turtle shell every time there's a microphone now because he's he's fearful that if he speaks out, that it could be taken the wrong way. But for the White Sox against the world when it comes to like media and such, my fear is that soon the only radio station you'll be able to hear anything about the White Sox is ESPN 1000. Why? because they have a contract with the Chicago White Sox to broadcast their games. Now, I'm sure employees at ESPN 1000 would absolutely love that. But for 670 to score, they're the number one sports radio station in Chicago. If all of a sudden they're not getting anyone from the Chicago White Sox to participate on their shows because of them being critical of how the organization is being ran, I cannot view that as a good thing. Like, at all. <laughs> it's good for us, I suppose. I, I guess, but <laughs> free airtime. Yeah, it's, but, but we've seen the white yeah. Sox go into this kind of cycle when it does come to the media and then they restrict access or they restrict how much time is available to speak with Pedro Grafal and they just go into hiding and, and then they do, they stop with the fan interactions with the players like Sox fast, not being available. And I'm a season ticket holder. There were almost zero opportunities last year to meet the players. There wasn't Sox prom. As a matter of fact, Tim Anderson's sneaker ball was mm -hmm. really the only opportunity that I had to purchase tickets to donate money to his charities to go and mingle with White Sox players. And I'm a full season ticket holder. Uh, the other opportunity was to listen to Bo Jackson talk about the White Sox, which, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. So even from like a full season ticket holder perspective, there's not many opportunities to mingle with players. So anyone from the White Sox listening to this, this franchise right now is giving off strong us against the world vibes. And Lawrence Holmes is absolutely correct in his analysis and how he feels that this organization is going down. That is a battle you cannot win. And the way that battle ends is apathy sets in. And you, the employees, are not there for the turnaround. It yeah. requires new employees to come in and for them to grovel back to the fan base, mm -hmm. asking them to come back. Like, this is a dangerous territory the White Sox are teetering to. And they really need to pull back and reverse gears quickly in the month of March before the season starts. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one thing that makes it different is with you know, social media with everybody, you know, fans having a platform, if they so choose, having direct lines of access to other fans and other, you know, like 
the organization and so forth. You know, we, we talk about this, you know, with, with our show and, and, and with Sox Machine having a site. It's like part of the satisfaction of following the team or doing what we do is like putting our thoughts down and seeing if they come true or, you know, how close they are predictions come or just like if we're seeing patterns that turn out to be meaningful, like there's some satisfaction, even if it goes poorly uh, for the White Sox that, hey, I saw this. Hey, you know, like I'm getting better at this whole thing or, oh, this is new, um, not necessarily good, but just like, oh, this is a a new and unsettling flaw. Yeah, I, I wonder how this is going to turn out. So, I mean, like it does satisfy like intellectual curiosity to like see things are going poorly, say it out loud or say it in text and then be able to point to it later and say like, see, I told you so, or see, I thought so. Or like, Hey, let's put down another stake as we follow this, this particular pattern and see like how it keeps going. So like, you know, when it comes to this whole thing about us versus them, it's just, you know, if it's going to be us versus the world and the world includes the fan, us does not include the fans, then fans will say like, well, you know, it's us against them <laughs> and, or me against them or me saying like, well, you know, I knew this is going to go poorly or I knew the signing was going to be terrible or I knew this uh, coaching staff wouldn't be able to address this particular problem. And I, I wrote this on December 17th at 9.43 a.m. You know, and you can point to it like, you know, fans will start rooting for themselves if, if the team acts like it doesn't want fans on their side. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's. You know, like we talked about with Mike Clevenger, to go back to him, but just, you know, 2005 to, to, to bring back that team and say like, well, you know, Bobby Jenks, A.J. Pierzynski, Carl Everett, guys that had some, you know, character flags that who, you know, contributed to a, a major league champion. Um, yeah, but also like in 2005, things didn't exist, you know, in terms of like the social media didn't exist. The idea of the domestic policy or domestic violence policy did not exist. Like things, you know, just... We're able to, you're able to sweep things, uh, you know, dissatisfaction and adverse reactions and objections. You're able to sweep that uh, under the rug or, or out of sight uh, quickly. You can't do that now. So I think that's really the risk that's being taken here. And given that the White Sox still point to 2005 as like the year things went right and we keep trying to, you know, uh, chase, uh, you know, and after that lightning and try to catch it in a bottle, it's just like, yeah, it's, the world has changed so much. Baseball has changed so much that like, yeah, it, it strikes me as like an outdated strategy, but uh, you know, as long as franchise value keeps going up or, you know, fan, uh, yeah, I guess like team employees get closer to, uh, you know, being able to cash in their pensions. It's just the, the outside world of White Sox fans matters less and less. This opening series against the Houston Astros to start the year there's more riding on this series than the first four games of the season. It's dumb. Like, why would you want that? What do you mean? Why would you want that? Like, why would the White Sox want that? Why would the White Sox want, like, the first four games of the season being like, you know, fan string is a litmus test? Well, it, because I mean, it's the Houston Astros. It's the defending world well, yeah. champions. You promised no, a, I mean, a championship yeah. caliber team. Here you go. Yeah. But I mean, like, why would you, why would you want to like set it up so fans can like overreact to four games against Houston for the first four games of the season, which is what they're doing. I Do you think they're doing it? Because I think everyone outside of the White Sox organization is doing it. Like Pedro Grafal will try to say the right things. Mm -hmm. It's just four games. Yes, they are a very good team, but we got 158 more games left to go. We're going to hop on an airplane. We got our home opener against San Francisco. I'm focused on the home opener. 
But you know, like if the White Sox get swept by the Houston Astros, they're 0-4 heading to their home opener against the San Francisco Giants. I mean, even us maybe tear it apart this team. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's a case where just, you know, when it when it comes to the us against the world thing that like if you do that strategy, like the, a poor start becomes twice as painful. The rewards of a good start still aren't all that, you know, boosted just because it's going to take like two months before fans really buy into a team, especially if they want to be right about the team being bad. Like, that's why I say like, you know, if you're inspiring fans to try to be correct against your team by saying like, well, you know, fans are dumb (laughs) basically or fans are wrong or, you know, fans are wrong to have the opinion that they have. Like, yeah, just then you inspire both sides become entrenched. Uh, And, you know, to me, the reaction should be, and you just have to keep saying it over and over again, but just like the, sensible unobjectionable reaction to getting questions about last year is like yeah like Lance Lynn I think is probably the closest to it just saying in plain terms like yeah we sucked we're not going to suck this year like I mean you know maybe they will suck this year but just like in terms of like you know that's the mindset to have that's uh, an acknowledgement of that fans were unhappy and were and had a right to to do so and and you know should it be a case where they don't have the fan support they wish they had early, you know, just like we talked about with the Orioles, just like playing well, just welcome fans as they jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> like it's to, uh, I, I guess, highlight uh, fans being unhappy with them. Like fans have every reason to be unhappy with the product. And maybe, you know, the players aren't the ones, I guess, chiefly responsible for that. I would say like Jerry Reinsdorf and Tony La Russa and just, you know, that cast a pall over everything where once things start turning bad and realizing like, Oh, Tony La Russa can never be fired. Like it just uh, basically put cement blocks around the feet of the team and just, they were never going to be able to get to the surface. That's just kind of how I look at it. Just, you know, once, you know, now that La Russa has gone, just give fans some time to vent, to be skeptical and just say, yeah, well, we'll be back on the same page, you know, come mid May when we're the team we think you are, we are, and we're the team you want us to be. Does it hurt in this instance to have Pedro Grafal, a brand new manager, a rookie manager who's never managed before running the team? Because if you're looking for that type of situation, wouldn't it make sense to bring back the coaching staff to answer the call, answer those questions. Instead, you got a, a new guy that could easily, slap those questions mm-hmm. away and say, listen, I was the bench coach of the Kansas city Royals last year. I saw across the field that there was an energy mm-hmm. problem. I wasn't here last year. All I could speak to is what we are doing now. No, I mean, I, I think it helps that he wasn't around just because players can line up behind him and say like, yeah, it's a new, a new chapter, a new manager, new coaching staff, new information, a different way of solving problems. Like we did not solve problems well last year. We have a, a completely new cast to help us do that. And yeah. Sure. But if you are looking for resolution yeah. as a fan of 2022 to answer those questions, having a brand new manager that was in part of the organization. Yeah. No. Does that help in that it instance? It helps. I, I think it helps fans in terms of like, okay, we're, you know, there's a chance that the problems won't go unaddressed in the same way. Um, but I think that gets a case where just incumbent on, you know, Rick Hahn to take it, <laughs> to, to, to take it directly from fans. And, and in the case of like, you know, guys like, um, you know, whichever players want to show up, like say <clears throat> Lucas Giolito, since he's an affable 
fellow to the fans. Like if he went to Sox Fest and uh, somebody, you know, went up to a microphone in line and said like, you know, you were really disappointing. Uh, your, your fastball just looked like nothing. What are you going to do better? Like, I'm sure he would have an answer for that. I'm sure like he would be able to just kind of, you know, say like, I'm as unhappy as you are, you know, I'm going back to, uh, the, the drawing board when it comes to off season preparation, you're going to see new Lucas Giolito. Like it's, you know, the fans being, you know, just being able to say their piece and to the people who are chiefly responsible, which is the front office and then the, uh, players. And then you have a new coaching staff to say like, here's a, you know, here are people overseeing it differently who saw what it looked like when the White Sox are going poorly from the other side and were able to take advantage of it. And having that perspective will help uh, them be less vulnerable to such easily exploited shortcomings, kind of like the Death Star. Like, why was the exhaust port open <laughs> time and time again? Like, that's kind of how uh, yeah, it reminds me. Like, oh, just, you know, they blew up the Death Star twice in a row the same way, basically. And, uh, you know, just having a different, uh, coaching staff, people in charge to solve the problems as they're happening on the field, I think is the key part of, you know, overhauling this team. You can't really gut the roster. You can't, you know, the, 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 you can overhaul the front office, but they're not going to. So the coaching staff is really the only area where you can make like meaningful, quick change, uh, and, and hope for a different outcome. And the White Sox did that. So I think, you know, that satisfies fans and, everybody else just has to be a little bit tougher. I think when it comes to, you know, accepting uh, the unhappiness of fans. So do you think Rick Khan needs to go on a media tour? Not just ESPN 1000, but like one-on-ones, one-on-ones, yeah. 670, the score, local TV networks, hell Sox podcast. Machine podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll shoot him an email. Hey, you want to come on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean like it wouldn't hurt. Like it, it just, you know, that's what the Cubs did with the Cubs convention. And, you know, Tom Ricketts may not have yeah, provided true. satisfying answer, but he took it, you know, and just, you know, fans got to say their piece. Uh, they signed Dansby Swanson. You know, there's a reason to think the Cubs can do more. A lot of Cubs fans are still unhappy, but at least like there was that clearing of the air and a shift of direction. And there's a little bit of benefit of the doubt there, or at least like I got that out of my system. Uh, can't wait for some games to watch and see if anything's different. Whereas in this case, it's just like, oh, we really didn't get things out of our system. So if something, somebody says something poorly, or if, if I'm told one more time to forget about 2021, you know, so help me. Like, I think that's kind of the reaction a lot of fans and media have because that just, that, that never went addressed. And, uh, and the White Sox have a habit of not addressing things and then running into the same problem uh, years, if not months or weeks later. They got to do something to let out the steam because again, the Houston Astros are coming. That is where you start the season. They get their world series rings. We know how dangerous that team can be. It's not out of the realm of the possibility. The white Sox get swept. They have not played well in Houston for many years now in a row. Yeah. They beat Justin Verlander, but they lost the other two games, uh, they could be one and three, zero oh and four as they come home, and depending on who's starting that game is going to bring on a whole different type oh of reaction <laughs> from White Sox fans. <laughs> like this could get yeah. worse before it gets better, and that's why I think if you if the mentality right now is flipping everyone off, 
from a White Sox perspective, and everyone's against us, so we're going to use that as motivation. No, don't do that. Don't do that. I, I think a media tour would help. I think coaching players to do these interviews in spring training to admit, yes, 2022 was terrible. We are sorry to our fans. They were expecting more. We failed to deliver. But this is how we're not going to repeat those mistakes in 2023. Start doing that because then you can move into the nobody believes in us territory because every projection system right now has you finishing third in the American League Central. And that is more common for teams that win championships, as we talked about with Georgia and Kansas City, than Mm -hmm. us against the world. Because when you lose that battle, not if, when you lose that battle, the world is going to pile on. And then you have no choice as an organization but to make significant, significant changes and then grovel and beg people to come back to watch your product. So hopefully someone on 35th and Shields heard this and they start taking a, a different direction. But man... So much to talk about out of one <laughs> quote from Tim Anderson, but unfortunately Tim Anderson wanted to poke the bear and he poked a wound. And that is a very nasty wound that is yet to heal from everyone that roots for the Chicago White Sox. But thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast episode. I promise we will be doing our spring training, our deep dive previews for the upcoming 2023 season position group by position group. And hopefully we'll start doing that on Monday, unless there's other breaking news, unless somebody else says something stupid uh, <laughs> before Monday. <laughs> um, but we'll get to that as well. Also, don't forget the Future Sox podcast. Mike Rakin and James Fox will be talking about the top 30 prospects that Future Sox just released on SoxMachine.com. So you can also subscribe to their podcast, the Future Sox podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, such as Sox Machine as well on Spotify and Apple Music. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. I'm at Sox Machine underscore Josh. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine as we put videos of the full episode of the podcast there. Uh, also, Friday's coming around. I'm doing a lot of 2023 MLB draft work with college highlight videos with the college season starting. So I'll be putting up and cutting together uh, more prospect videos this weekend. So you can check that out at youtube.com slash socks machine. If you enjoy our work and would like to help support us, you could do so at patreon.com slash socks machine as uh, we gained another veterans committee member. Uh, Mm -hmm. So thank you, Dan, for joining us as we have seven spots still available for those that are interested as our Patreon supporters get exclusive content. They get ad-free versions, both the podcast and website. And when we have new Sox Machine swag, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2. And if you are interested in joining the Veterans Committee, you can reach out to Jim and I about joining the Veterans Committee. As again, we only have seven spots remaining uh, for that Patreon tier. And again, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Machine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're on for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside, alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening and watching. Mm-hmm.